This morning, I want to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to dive into each of the nine fruits that are listed in Galatians 5. Um, basically, what I want to do as quickly and as simply as possible is to tell you why it's important to have fruit in your life. So if you turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you're familiar with Scripture, you might be familiar with this, this section of Scripture. If you're not, uh, then hopefully you'll be a little more familiarized with it. The heading over this section, we're going to be in uh, Matthew 7, verses 15 through about 23. The section over this, uh, the heading over this section is, on, in my Bible, a tree and its fruit. I'm just going to read it out loud. And all of these are red letters, which means who's talking? Jesus. All right. It says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Again, I want to lay out some simple things to you. Uh, Look back at verse 20 there. Actually, look back at verse 17. It says, so every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. And he's kind of making a general statement that's kind of obvious. That's kind of like, duh, we get that. But he's making that statement that you will know a tree by its fruit. You will be able to identify a tree, recognize a tree by its fruit. He says in the NIV version, it says, so every good tree bears good fruit or displays good fruit. And then it says, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. And so Jesus is talking specifically here uh, about recognizing uh, wolves in sheep's sheep's clothing, uh, clothing, false prophets, people who are doing things in Jesus' name, and, and maybe they aren't who they say they are. He's, he's talking about that. But we can kind of uh, deduce from that that if he's talking about a tree bearing fruit, whether it's good or bad, and being able to recognize that, that this also is talking about a believer. You will know a believer. You will know what is going on in a believer's life. You will know uh, spirit-filled activity by the fruit that you see. He actually says in, in Matthew chapter 12, if you went on ahead, he says it again, for the tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. The first thing that I would want to, and this sounds so simple, but the first thing that I would want us to know is that fruit is evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can write that in there. Fruit is evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I understand that there's You know, there are those who would say that being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you speak in tongues. And we talked about that last week. I talked about how at this point in my life and where I'm at and and my understanding of the word and and studying and stuff, scripture, 
Uh, I don't see that as, um, as a very valid statement that um, you can identify someone as being filled with the Holy Spirit by whether or not they speak in tongues. Um, speaking in tongues, speaking in other tongues, it does accompany being filled with the Spirit on several different occasions in Scripture. You can't deny that. But no one really makes that a focused point of doctrine for believers in their teaching. Not Jesus, not Peter, not Paul, not James, not John. It's hard to imagine that one of the great writers of the Bible would not have emphatically said, listen, if someone is not speaking in tongues, then you need to write them off as someone living by the flesh. And uh, to me, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a phrase, a great phrase to use to describe a person who has surrendered their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength to the Lord. Are you... Are you surrendered to the Lord spiritually? Are you surrendered to the Lord emotionally? Are you surrendered to the Lord mentally? And are you surrendered to the Lord physically? If you can say yes to those things, and I know that there's different degrees, and I'm, some of us say I'm working on it more and more, I'm more surrendered now than I was, exactly, then you might be someone that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, again, that doesn't negate tongues. It doesn't negate any of the, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's just that you can't, you, you, know, you can't say that any of those gifts are evidence that someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. It'd be de- difficult for me to say that anyway. Uh, in fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, and I brought this up a little bit last week. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and remember, this is directly following up, uh, uh, chapter 12, where it lays out those manifestation gifts of the Spirit. And then it goes on to talk about being a member of the body and how important it is to use those things in the body to edify one another. And the first thing he says in chapter 13 is, If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then he says over in Galatians 5.20 that the fruit of the Spirit and he begins listing these things that he would, de- he would declare as fruit. The very first one that he names is love. So you look at thir- uh, chapter 13, Corinthians 13, 1. Uh, if I have not love, then it's just a bunch of noise. And then you see him saying over here, the fruit of the Spirit is, the first one, is love. And then you think about what Jesus said. Hey, by this, all men will know, they will recognize, it will be able to be proved, it is evident that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Are you guys picking up what I'm laying down? You hear what I'm saying? Um, And then Paul says again over... And that was Jesus talking, by the way. Then Paul says over in Colossians 1, and I love this scripture. We quote it all the time. He says, So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. A manner worthy, you can say, uh, in a way that's appropriate. In a way that's becoming of a believer. In a way that is... Uh, proving that someone belongs to God. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. And it says, bearing fruit or displaying fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, to me, there's more emphatic doctrinal statements to encourage us that fruit in our lives is more important even than those gifts. And if that's true then I can't look at a gift 
in this person or that person to decide whether or not they have the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? I need to look at fruit. Now, I get that, um, you know, I heard somebody say one time, well, fruit takes a time to display, but you can see if they're going to speak in tongues immediately or not. It's like, you know, I can see where that, there's, there's truth in that statement. But to me, that is even a greater point that that fruit is supposed to grow and increase and abound in our lives. And the only way that it can grow and increase and abound in our life is by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think about the first three in that list. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Now, that right there is something that almost every time someone gets saved, it's like, what do you feel? You know, are you feeling anything? You never really hear anybody say, you know what? I don't feel nothing. In fact, I'm going home. You know, people are usually like, man, I don't know. I just feel this overwhelming joy in my heart. Well, you should. Your sins just got wiped away. And I just, I feel this overwhelming love in my heart. It's like, yeah, you should. You've just been loved with an everlasting love. And man, I don't know how to describe it, but there's this peace that has come over me. You ought to. The Prince of Peace just whacked you over the head with a scepter. You know what I mean? Those are all things that are used to describe somebody uh, that just gets saved. They all, you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about? And then you think about the rest of the list. What is it? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control are all things that we have to walk out. So the first three are things that the Lord says, take that. And then the last six are things that we have to um, engage the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to have self-control. Lord, I've never been gentle. Help me be gentle. Help me be faithful. Help me have patience. You, you hear what I'm saying? And so you kind of see how it's, it's all in there, you know? Well, I was thinking about the question. Some people might say, well, what is fruit? And I want to give you a simple definition. To me, fruit is anything that displays the redemptive and sanctifying power of God in our lives. Anything in our life that would display His redemption and His sanctifying work in our lives. The power to do both of those things. And if you think about it, the first three in that list, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, and peace, that's His redemptive work. And you think about uh, love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those are all sanctifying works of the Holy Spirit. That He's setting us apart. He's growing us up, maturing us in those things. You know? So fruit is really anything that displays the redemptive and sanctifying power of God in our lives. A couple of ways that it's described in Scripture, you see the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. Uh, you hear it called, uh, it's called fruit of righteousness in a few Scriptures. In Philippians 1.11, it says, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus. I love that. The fruit of righteousness filled with it, and it comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Uh, Hebrews 12.11, all discipline for the moment seems not to be so joyful. Duh. But he says, but in fact, it's sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, I love that. Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. James 3.18, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And you hear this whole, it's all swarming in the same doctrinal context, isn't it? Um, it's described as the fruit of light. If you look at Ephesians 5, verse 9, it says, For the fruit of the light, and we know that Jesus is the light. In fact, it's a capital L here. 
For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Remember what I said? Fruit is anything that displays the redemptive and sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. And I love that. The fruit of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Uh, and then I, I included this in there because I think it's applicable. The fruit of our labor. The fruit of our labor. You know, it says in uh, Psalm 128, You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands, and you shall be happy or content, and it shall be well with you. And the reason that happens is what he says, in, and Paul says in Colossians 3, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not men. So even the fruit of our labor, if I am a gardener and I'm going to grow some carrots, if I'm steadfast and I I follow um, all the rules of growing carrots, I suppose, but also I'm faithful to water it, I'm faithful to weed out the weeds, all those things, and I bear big old honking carrots, that's evident of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, So that's, that's the first thing I would want to say of why it's important to have the Holy Spirit because it's evidence uh, for you to have fruit because it's evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that don't have a whole lot of fruit in their lives. They've been born again. They come to church. They do the studies here. They do the outreach there. But you look at their life and it's kind of like what Charlotte was talking about this morning when she gave a word. There's just not a whole lot of fruit. Like, where's the fruit, man? Where's the fruit of righteousness in your life? You know, you're the same guy that you were 10 years ago. Five years ago, a year ago. One day in the Lord should produce some amount of change. Amen? Not that we judge people if they haven't grown leaps and bounds in one week. It is a process, but we have to be able to recognize that. In fact, that's why it's very important to be in in community with other believers. Because other people are going to usually see the spiritual growth in us before we're actually going to see it in ourselves. Amen? Another thing, another reason I think it's very important to have fruit is, uh, look what it says over in Matthew 7. Let's go back there. In verse uh, 19. Matthew 7, verse 19. Going back to verse 18, actually. He says, A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. And then he says in verse 19, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Another reason that it's good to have fruit in your life is because fruitlessness brings about judgment. Fruitlessness brings about judgment. And you see this all over Jesus' teaching. Every uh, teachings. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Over in John chapter 15, verse 2, he says, Every branch, and listen to how he says it, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So he's saying all these kinds of things. In Matthew 21, he says, Now in the morning, when he was returning to the city, and most of us have at least heard this story, it says, He became hungry. Jesus was hungry. Most people don't think that Jesus was hungry. He got hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. And so you can see that another scripture, this is going to sound a little off, but it's actually not. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 where it says, do not quench the spirit. Now, how are you going to tie that to fruit? Well, that idea of, of quenching is, it, it talks about su- the suppressing of fire. You know what I mean? Like uh, if you're going to, 
throw a blanket over a fire or throw water and, and quench that. And, or, or um, I don't know if there's a better word for it, but, but quench. The whole idea is the suppressing of fire. And we know that the Holy Spirit is a fire that dwells in every believer. In, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, he came, he came in uh, the form of fire and, and tongues. And we know that fire is a purifying agent. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit, his main objective in our life is to do, is to purify us, to grow us, to mature us. And so here it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. If you're writing things down, write this down. The Holy Spirit wants to burn bright and hot in our actions, in our attitudes. And when we do not let him burn hot and bright in our actions and in our attitudes, it is another way of saying we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to bear fruit. Because our actions and our attitudes are supposed to be turned over to the Lord. No, it is a command. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. When believers don't allow the Holy Spirit uh, to be seen in our actions, uh, when we do what we know is wrong and all that stuff, we're basically suppressing or quenching the Spirit. And we keep the Holy Spirit from revealing Himself. In other words, from bearing fruit in our lives the way that He wants to. Uh, and I think this is probably part of what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit too. If the Holy Spirit's not allowed to do what He so desires to do in our lives because we're not letting him, we're not surrendering, we're not letting him reign. Don't you think that would grieve him? Absolutely, it does. This is really important for us to understand, because I, don't, I think, I think uh, we have thought very lightly of our walk with God. You know, I'll, I'll address this when I feel like it. I'll, I'll, um, uh, I'll hit this in my life when I feel like it. It can't be like that. It is always on. You know what I mean? Uh, scripture talks about fanning the flame. You know, fan the flame and make sure that, the f- that passion is always growing and, and, uh, uh, and burning bright in your life. And if you're walking around in life as a believer, not fanning the flame, and that fanning the flame can look like different things, being a part of a body, being encouraged in the word, uh, personal devotions, prayer, worship, serving, all those things, fanning the flame. Last week we talked about praying in the Spirit. I think that's another way that you can fan the flame, stir the waters, however you want to say it. If we're not doing that, we're just falling short of God's very best. And I don't know how you're wired, but I never want to fall short of doing my very best. Ever. If I'm going to pursue the Lord, I want to do it as best as I can. Amen? Uh, The last thing, well, I'm sure there's all kinds of reasons, but for this morning... The last reason I would say that it's important to have fruit is that fruit comes from abiding. Fruit comes from abiding. Look what he says in, in verse, seven, uh, verse 23. Well, let's go, actually, let's go back uh, to 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, when he says on that day, he's talking about the day of judgment, the day that we stand before the Lord. Um, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't, did we not prophesy in your name? Guess what? Prophecy is on that spiritual gifts list, gifts list, isn't it? Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not cast out demons? Casting out demons isn't in the list, but the discerning of spirits is, which leads to casting out demons. And in your name, did we not perform many miracles? Guess what? Healing and miracles is on that list. Amen? And Jesus said... Declared to them, you know what? I never knew you. And you're, you can assume that he said, yeah, you did those things. 
but I never knew you. And he says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And when he says, I never knew you, he's speaking of personal relationship, personal encounters. He's speaking of intimacy. He's talking about the vine and the branches. In fact, go look at John 15. John chapter 15. We'll read a little bit of that before we close. John chapter 15. The heading over this section is called Jesus is the vine. Followers or believers are the branches. And I'm going to let Jesus' words say most of this. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, see there's that intimacy. I love that he says, he who abides in me. In other words, it's not just about us being all into Jesus. I'm just all into Jesus. The truth is, is that Jesus is all into us too. Amen? He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. There is fruit that comes from being connected intimately with the Lord. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Did you guys see that? Nah, I couldn't have said it any better. My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. And what do you say abide in? My love. What is the first on the list of? The fruits of the Spirit. I mean, come on, this is all swimming in the same pool. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that you may join, uh, so that my joy may be in you. <laughs> love, joy. So number two on the list, I'm just saying. And that your joy may be made full. Now I want to end with this. So you can write this down. This is something just to kind of remember. Fruit isn't achieved by working. I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to bear fruit. I will bear fruit. Now that's something that we can intentionally decide in life. You know what? I'm going to bear fruit. But it's birthed by abiding. Okay? Fruit isn't achieved by working alone. It is birthed. By abiding. There's a pastor, um, actually a fairly young pastor, that writes commentaries. And I read that and I thought, that is so true. Fruit comes from abiding. One of Melissa's favorite books is called The True Vine by Andrew Murray. She's read it. She's taken girls through it. She knows the significance of abiding in Christ because that's where everything comes from. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. And there's three characteristics of fruit that I want to end on. The first one is that fruit is attractive. Okay, we're talking about bearing fruit here, why it's important. First of all, bearing fruit is attractive. Uh, fruit is attractive. 
There's not really many, any, uh, many fruits that you look at and you say, that is the ugliest fruit I ever saw in my life. You know, fruit has, each has like distinct, kind of a cool beauty to it, especially shiny green apples. I had me a big old fat shiny green apple on the way to church this morning. One of those big ones that you bite into and you go, you know what I mean? It's just really sour. So I look at green apples, that piece of fruit, and I think that is beautiful. You know, some of you think strawberries are beautiful. Some of you, it's grapes. Some of you, it's bananas, whatever. But fruit tends to be beautiful, especially when you see a whole tree. There's something, honestly, there's something powerful about seeing a whole fruit, a whole fruit tree bearing just tons of fruit hanging off that tree. Isn't there something powerful about that? You know, that's a good tree. That's a good tree. And you covet that tree. If your neighbor has one of those and they got fruit all over there, you're like, man, I wish I had one of those trees in my yard. And so at night when nobody's looking, <laughs> go in there. <laughs> Quick story. So one time, <laughs> my, grand, my great-grandma, God rest her soul, she had this big pear tree right next to her house. And me and my cousin Josh, when we would go, go over there, we would always shimmy up the pear tree and play on the roof because it got you up to the roof. And we'd play on the roof. Well, one time, I don't know why, we thought, you know, there's just too many pears on this tree. And so we started yanking down all the pears and just throwing them on the ground. <laughs> That's awful, isn't it? <laughs> Let me tell you what, I never did that again. <laughs> Anyway, fruit is attractive, and it just makes me think about when we bear fruit that is connected to the vine, how that is attractive to the lost. It's important for us to bear fruit. Why? Because there's lost people all around us that need to see the fruit that Jesus Christ, through His Holy Spirit, can produce in our life. Bottom line, right? Fruit also reproduces itself. Another major uh, attribute of a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we reproduce ourselves. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not your, I'm reproducing Paul here. As I meet with you, I'm hoping to reproduce Tony. I'm hoping to reproduce the Christ in me, the hope of glory in you. Amen? And so, fruit reproduces, fruit reproduces itself. And the last thing, and... and Track with me, and this is true though. Fruit is fragile. Now you, you ladies, and some of you men, I know you go to the supermarket and you're checking over every piece of fruit. I don't want no bruised fruit. And you pick all the best ones. Why do they bruise so easily? Because they're fragile. Fruit is fragile. You know, we have a strength in the Lord. We're strong in the Lord. Listen, we can also be very fragile. It makes me think of, uh, of Adam and Eve in the garden. You know? As strong as they were in the presence of the Lord. How could you get it, Mar- like Marvin said the other day, could you get a more perfect environment than the garden? And yet so easily bruised. So easily the fruit of their life was stolen from them. Devoured. And if you think that there's not an enemy that's after your fruit. Scripture actually says you're deceived. We've got to wake up, you guys. We've got to be fruit bearers. We've got to bear fruit in our lives. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to reign and rule in our lives and bear fruit. Our lives depend on it. 
our families' lives, our kids, our friends and neighbors around us, their lives depend upon our willingness to, uh, for the Holy Spirit to, to baptize us, for us to come completely under the water of the Holy Spirit, not one hair left out, completely submerged in the powerful influence of the wonderful counselor, comforter, helper, and to walk by the Spirit. And I tell you, when we become a people that decide every day, I'm walking in the Spirit today. Today is going to be a fruitful day. Today is going to be a fruitful day. When we declare those things, your life's going to shift. And you can expect it because it's God's Word. Amen? Let's stand.